don't you hold your Bible, your cell phone, whatever you're reading scripture from, and lift it up real high. You may not get another opportunity to show off your iPhone. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Alright, still talking about the worry-free life. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, today, when, while I was getting ready to, you know, come to church and I was just uh, uh, getting ready and reading my scripture, I got a, a notification uh, because someone had retweeted our, our partner's time program. Actually, we're going to be on TBN starting today until next week, Friday, every single day. So please go and check your schedule. Wherever it says partner's time, uh, please be sure to diarize that and uh, put it as a reminder in your phone or record uh, the programs. We're going to be talking about partnership, what that means, and finances and prosperity in the kingdom and its purpose. Amen? So be sure to check that out. So I was checking out uh, on Twitter. Someone had retweeted that. So I was just looking at that retweet. And uh, right below that was... Uh, 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 an announcement made of this professor who has just recently passed away. You know, someone who's uh, regarded as uh, higher uh, in the you know, medical field, a uh, professor from a well-known university, and uh, he apparently took his own life, and the reason was he had been battling depression for a very long time. And this is the reason why uh, uh, this message is real. It's not just one of the teachings we do uh, to fill up a program or to fill up the year. You know, it's just, no, this is real. If you take this message to heart, it will change your life forever. Amen. So we found out in dealing with the worry-free life that Jesus had something to say about it. Remember in Matthew chapter number six, he said, "Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about what you shall eat, what you shall put on, uh, or, or where you shall live." He says those things will be taken care of by your heavenly Father. And he goes on uh, to pass the button to the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, who said, Do not uh, be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication make all your requests known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be in your life. Or the supernatural peace of God will guard your heart and your mind uh, through Christ. So there's a supernatural peace that you and I can enjoy, that the people in the world cannot uh, tap into because we are children of God. Amen? So we see that God has something to say about us living the worry-free life or the carefree life. And today we're going to be looking at what the Apostle Peter had to say about the issue. So if you will, please turn your Bibles with me to First Peter chapter number 5, verse 6. Because of time, we're not going to start in verse 5. We're just going to cut to the chase because I really want to cover all these scriptures uh, in this session. First Peter, chapter number 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, the minute you say humble yourself, uh, in the church, people usually think of no makeup, long dresses that touch your ankles, you know, bogged down car, you know, what are you doing? I'm being humble. No, that's not what he's talking about. 
Amen? It defines what this humility is if you keep reading. In fact, the version that I'm reading here ends verse 6 with a semicolon. He says, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. And he puts a semicolon there because he's getting ready to explain to us what this humility looks like. And he says in verse 7, Casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And this is a direct quotation from Psalm 55 verse 22. Let us read it. Psalm 55 verse 22. 22. Thank you, Jesus. So what is humility? Humility is putting our trust in God and not in ourselves. Humility is being God-focused and not self-centered. Amen? I think uh, 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 one of the teachers that I look up to so much as a series called uh, Self-Centeredness is the source of all grief. The minute you start looking to self, you're going to have all kinds of grief. Amen? Watch what he says in Psalm 55 verse 22. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Uh, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Man, this is awesome. He says for us to cast all our burdens on the Lord and the Lord says, if you do so, I will sustain you. The only person who can cast all their burdens on the Lord is a person who is God-focused instead of self-centered. It is a person who understands that God is your sustenance. It is a person who understands that God is your source. Amen? When you think you are your own source, you're going to uh, uh, run straight into the trap of worry and fear and depression and anxiety. Yeah. Hallelujah! So God wants us to cast all our cares, and that word cares is just another word for worries or anxieties. You know, rent worries, rent cares and worries. You know, husband worries, husband cares and worries, wife cares, all those things. He says, cast them on me and I'll take care of them. It's amazing how people want to take care of things that the Lord has said, give to me so that I can take care of them. The reason he says don't, don't carry all these burdens is because you were never designed to carry these burdens. Amen? Let us go back to 1 Peter chapter number 5 and read that verse one more time. 1 Peter chapter number 5 verse 7. He says, casting, so humility is casting how many? All of our cares upon him. The small ones and the big ones. Amen? Amen. Why? Because he genuinely cares for us. He cares for us. He wants you and I to enjoy life. And I had an illustration uh, earlier on in the service uh, uh, um, of, of casting these cares on the Lord. In fact, the word cast means to forcefully trust. As soon as you receive these cares, you must forcefully trust them uh, uh, to the Lord. And the reason he does this is because 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians Chapter number 9, verse 24. I need some bags here with me. I need as much stuff as I can get. I'm going to put it here. And, and, and Sabelo, you want to come and stand here with this stuff? You are not the devil, but I'm going to use you as the devil just today, all right? <laughs> and Lloyd, you're going to stand here? Lloyd, you're not God, okay? <laughs> let's, let's, let's get it straight. <laughs> but for this illustration... <laughs> You're gonna be, can I have some handbags that ladies don't mind me throwing around and stuff? <laughs> Here's some bags. 
There's no more bags. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Oh, man. All of these cares. See what this one is? This is marriage problems. This is rent. You see? This one is uh, just the future. Just worried about the future. You see what I'm saying? All these are just, you know, work problems, promotion, my boss has issues, petrol, and all these things. These are the cares. So here's what, here's what the Bible is saying is, is, is the enemy uh, 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 brings these cares into your life one by one. As you get them, just cast them to the Lord because he cares for you. But here's what we do. As he gives us these problems, we hold on to them. Oh man, rent. Oh, problem. Oh man, this is marriage problems. Oh man, this is work issues. This one, I really need to think about this. I'll put it around my neck. And this is, this is, this one is awesome. You know why? Because this is what uh, God said to in the Old Testament, the guy who asked the people to drink water, what was his name? Gideon? Gideon uh, was getting ready to go to battle. And God said, take them to the brook and let them drink water. And the one who drinks with their face down, uh, it's something that is uh, uh, a need for us. It's something we should be doing. We should be drinking water, right? He says, but those who get consumed, even in the things that they should be doing, he says those ones who get consumed in drinking water, don't take them to the battle because they are not fit. But those who drink, they know they should drink water, but they don't get consumed. Wow. They're still looking out for God's will over their lives. Wow. Those are the ones I want to go to battle with. So here's what we do. We take all these cares on ourselves and the Bible is saying, cast them to the Lord. But we believe you know, we should be looking uh, uh, after these cares. So here's what the scripture says. Here's why God wants you to cast all your cares. First uh, Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 24. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs. Now, all of us in here are runners. In other words, God wants all of us in here to, to live our lives with passion. That's what running in means. It's a posture of passion. God wants you to live your life with purpose and with passion, with exuberance, with excitement. Amen? And he says, all of you are runners. But don't you realize that everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Now, while I'm looking like this and getting ready to run the race that God has set before me, which is to preach to the nations, what would be the first thing you would tell me, uh, Pumlani, I know he's run the comrades, if I'm going to be successful at running the comrades? What, what would be the first thing you would say? Any, any runners in here? What would be the first thing you would say? I'm getting ready to go to the, to, to the race like this. What, what's the first thing you would say? Get rid. Get rid of all the cares. And that's why God wants you to get rid of all the cares. Because as you get rid of all the cares, what are you doing? You're laying down every weight that does so easily beset you or trips you up. And now you can run with passion. Oh, the water needs to go. Man, I was going to drink that. It has to go. Even the things that you need have to go. Amen? You have to entrust them to God. And God says, He will sustain you. So, today you can make a decision that I'm not going to hold on to any of these cares. As quickly as I get them. Here's how it should go. Here's how it should go. As, as Satan gives you these issues. Oh man, this is awesome. 
uh, give me rent. If he gives you these things, Lord, I pray that you take care of this marriage problem. Lord, it's your, it's your husband. <laughs> Lord, there you go. Man, and he says, if you live your life this way, what does he say? He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will come into your heart. But you have to live and make a choice to live the carefree life by casting every care. That comes into your life. Every thought of fear, every thought of anxiety, every thought of worry that the enemy may attempt to bring into your life, you must take it and cast it into God's hands in prayer. And that's the way God wants you and I to live. The carefree. Because when you live carefree, man, you can do the things that God has called you to do. Amen? Watch what he says. Thank you, gents. Man, you're going to have to figure out who's... who's Who's bag that is? Watch what it says in verse 8 of First Peter chapter number 5. Verse 8. First Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. It says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. And watch how it starts verse 8. It says, be sober. Push the person in front of you and say, be sober. Be sober. In fact, ask them, are you sober? Are you sober? <laughs> now let me tell you. Someone's like, Pastor, I'm just coming out of the club right now. <laughs> but listen, this word sober is not talking about what you're thinking right now. This word sober means to be void of speculative imaginations. When he says be sober, he's saying be void of speculative imagination. When you get into permutations in your mind that are merely speculative, none of the things has happened. But when you start thinking about it and calculate it in your mind, man, you lose a few kilograms. Just trying to figure out, okay, next week when we get there, we're going to do this and then we're going to do Then I get fired. Then after I get fired, I'm going to be on the streets. And then, and then you're doing all these things in your head. He says, be void, be sober, be void of speculative imaginations. Man, I've met people who've been postponing their happiness for years. Because they are speculative in their imagination. And in fact, concerning speculation around imagination, they say 70 to 80% of the things people worry about never actually happen. They're just, you know, staying on that mountain and thinking about it over and over and it never happens. And here's the sad part. is once it doesn't happen, it's not like the enemy is going to come back and give you back your days you were worrying about. Say, oh no, I'm sorry, you know, you lost three days of worry and it didn't happen and, you know... No, those days are lost. Amen? So he says, be sober, be vigilant, or be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He walks around like one. Amen? Uh, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, Satan is walking around asking people, may I, may I devour you? May I devour you? May I devour you? And what is going to be your answer? Because he didn't say he's walking around devouring people. You know why? Because he can devour you if you don't let him. He says he's walking around as a roaring lion looking for someone whom he may devour. And you and I need to stick with the head. You know, one of the ways uh, 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 a lion attacks or hunts uh, if you go to Kruger National Park or any of these places, the, the videos that they've done, the documentaries, he waits for the animal that goes astray or that, you know, is separated from the head. 
And when you are separated from the herd, then you are taxed. Amen? So you need to stay with the herd. Watch what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number... Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24 to 25. Don't let uh, Satan isolate you. Stay in fellowship. Hunt your neighbor and say, stay in fellowship. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, stay with the herd. Watch what it says in verse 24. It says, let us consider thoughtfully, in the, in the Amplified Bible. It says, let us consider thoughtfully. In other words, let us, let us think about this thing seriously. Watch what it says. It says, let us consider and give attentive and continuous care to watching over one another. Man, he's saying as a herd, your responsibility is not to tear each other down. It is to watch over one another. Because he knows you won't be able to do it alone. And your friends aren't going to be able to do it alone. So we need to stick together. Watch what he says. Watching over one another, studying how we may stir up. I like that phrase. Man, if you're going to win in this worry-filled world to live the worry-free life, you need to live your life stirred up. You know, growing up, we used to make our own lemonade because we had a big lemon tree outside. And here's how we usually used to do it. We'd get the lemon, uh, uh, lemon, slice it up, put some juice in a cup, uh, in a glass, and put some cold water in it, and put about, man, I'm embarrassed with this, about four tablespoons of sugar <laughs> into that thing. And then you'd stir that thing up. And every time you stirred that thing, the sugar would rise. Yeah. And you'd see it, you know, yeah. in, the, in the glass. And when you stopped stirring, what would happen is all of that sugar would sink to the bottom. And that's what happens uh, in the life of a believer who does not leave their lives stirred up. They sink to the bottom. It's not a one-time thing. It's a process. Over the years, they begin to sink into the uh, uh, bottom part of life. And watch what he says. He says, how we may stir up, stimulate, incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Watch what he says in verse 25. How we do this. We do this by not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. In this church we do it on Sunday mornings. We do it on live groups. We do it everywhere. We do it all the time. In fact we call them live groups because we want to do life together. So he says do not forsake this because it's a spiritual strategy. It's not just a nice thing to do. Listen, you're not doing your life group leader a favor by going to life group. I used to think that. <laughs> Let me do this homie a favor and just go for life group. At least you won't feel bad that him and his wife are having life group themselves. <laughs> so at least if I go, I'm going to do him a favor. No, you're doing you a favor. At least according to this verse. Because when you go there, someone is going to encourage you. Someone is going to give you a word of knowledge. Someone is going to give you a word of exhortation. Someone is going to spare you on. And this is why he's saying, do not forsake or neglect to assemble together as believers. He puts a priority on it. Now watch what he says right after that. He says, as is the habit of some people. (laughs) So some people have turned it into a habit. To miss the assemblies. But admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. He said, as we get towards the end, we should even start doing it more. Man, we should just get together for no reason. Man, you should just start having brides at life group for no reason. Hey, let's have a bride today. What for? 
because it's sunny. Just, we should just get together and spray each other on and encourage each other. Because it's a spiritual strategy. You know why? Because Satan wants you isolated. Man, when he brings problems into your life, you know what he's expecting you to do? He's expecting you to go home and get a blanket and a big bowl of chips and sit on the couch and not talk to anybody and be isolated. Man, he's got you where he wants you. He's going to take you out. Just like this lion looks for the buffalo, uh, that, that's, that's straying away from the herd. That's what he's counting on. He's counting on you just getting frustrated at everybody and saying, man, I'm going to do it by myself. I did it my way. Man, when you do that, he's got you where he wants you. Amen? So we need to consider this and make sure that we uh, live this way. Matthew chapter number 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew chapter number 11, 28 to 30 in the King James Bible. And then Jesus said, New King James actually, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. In other words, I will relieve you. I will take them off of you. What do we see from this verse? We see that Jesus is not the one giving you the burdens. Jesus is the one taking off the burdens. You know, I've met people say, you know, Pastor, I believe God has just put, given me this burden for women. Then it's not from the Lord. <laughs> this burden for the lost. I have this burden. No, no. He says, give me the burdens. Yeah. He's not the one putting burdens on you. I've met people say, Pastor, you know, this, this husband is just my burden from the Lord. Fourteen years of marriage, just my burden. I'm carrying my cross. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not from God. Yeah. Amen. He says, come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. Someone say easy. easy. Man, it doesn't get easier than this. He says, my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Man, that is awesome. Let's go now to John chapter number 15, verse 1 to 3. John chapter number 15, from verse 1 to 3. I'm about to read the most misunderstood scripture in the whole Bible. The most misunderstood. If you can understand this scripture today, it will change your mindset forever. John chapter number 15 verse 1. Watch what it says. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Next verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Man, this scripture has been taught in the most uh, uh, discouraging way at uh, 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 many places I've been to. They have basically smeared some dirt on God's true nature, which is love and goodness. By trying to teach this uh, 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 verse without looking at what the verse is really talking about. Now, let's look at it one more time. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What would that connote? It means every branch, if it's not bearing fruit, he cuts, right? And throws away. It would feel like God is cutting me and throwing me away because I'm not bearing fruit. How's that going to help me? Okay, watch what it says in the, in the second part. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. 
prunes speaks of cutting in today's world. It's like pruning. He's cutting me. God is cutting me. And I've heard preachers, I've heard world famous preachers say when you have sickness, it's God who's brought it on you because he's trying to teach you a lesson. I've heard them say God will bring you a season of, of a desert season, a dryness, just so that he can purify you. So that when you come out of it, you come out strong. How many of you parents in here would take your child and put their hand on the stove and say, this is your season of fire and burning so that you can come out strong? It's just ridiculous. And because it does not line up with everything, I went and I looked. What exactly is he talking about? Now, all of you, as you leave this place, I entreat you, I encourage you to go and Google these words. Go and type in your Google Strong's Concordance and look up these words. In fact, if you look up the word text away, that phrase is in the Greek arrow, which means lift up. Because what they would do is when, you know, if you go to a vineyard, you would know this, that the, the trunk of the vines is not strong, so they put them on trusses. Every now and again, they would fall off the trusses and go on the floor in the ground, in the dirt. And then, that phrase, arrow, which is takeaway, simply means to lift them up and put them back on the trusses. It doesn't mean to cut off. God is not about cutting off his children off the life supply. And I thought I was going to get a better amen. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I lift up. And watch what he says in the next verse. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That word prune, let me read it for you in the Greek, is the Greek word katairo, which means to clean. So he's not cutting you out. He's not cutting anything off of your life. You know, when your car gets repossessed, it's just the Lord pruning you. So you can leave the... Because, you know, you're getting, <laughs> leaves you, yeah, he wants to leave you trim. <laughs> it's not going to bear much fruit. That's going to bear disappointment. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That word katairo means to clean. So not only does he lift up every branch that bears fruit, he cleans it. Because while it was in the ground, there may have been some soil that went on to the leaves of the vine that stopped it from bearing more fruit. So he would clean. Literally, the vine dresser would go cleaning uh, uh, these branches. Now, what does this cleaning look like? Watch what he says in the next verse. This is going to blow your mind if you're listening. He says, you are already clean because of the what? The word. So the word becomes the detergent that God uses to clean his children. Mm, That's good. Not sickness. Not life challenges. Not the desert experience. <laughs> they didn't take 40 years in the desert because God was trying to get them to teach them. No, it was because of their hard hearts. Go and read it in Hebrews. It was because the word that they heard, they did not mix it with faith. They did not act on it. And it made them stay in the same place for 40 years. It was not because God was making them go round and round and round until they perished. It was on them and not on God. So here's how you can reread that verse. You'd say, every branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. So if you're not bearing fruit, you need some encouragement. You don't need cutting off. And if if you're bearing some fruit, and God wants you to go to the next level with more fruit, he cleans you through the words. 
And in fact, that word clean is the same Greek word with the word prune. That word clean is kataros, which is a noun of the word uh, katairo, which is a verb. So pruning is cleaning and uh, clean is the noun that is produced by the cleaning of the word. And this is why Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 26, talks about the washing of the word. The way God washes his kids is by the word. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 26. Man, this is good. Watch what it says in Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 26. Talking about Jesus. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of what? Water by the detergent. What's the detergent? I didn't hear that. So the detergent was never the circumstance. I don't know where we lost it. The, the detergent was never the circumstance. God doesn't use circumstances to teach his children. He uses his word because he loves them. He speaks uh, great things over them and that washes them to prepare them to bear more fruit. Amen? Amen. We're going to give you two practical tips as we close uh, of how you can live the worry-free life. The first one is keep your mind renewed. Why? Because happiness is a state of your being, not a state of your circumstances. Say that after me. Happiness, Happiness. joy, Joy. is a state of your being, not your state of your circumstances. See, some of you are waiting for the outward to line up before you can have some fun. You're not, it's not going to happen. You know, some of you are waiting to graduate uh, matric so you could uh, uh, enjoy and have happiness in your life. And you graduated and you found out there was still university. And then you said, when I graduate the degree, at least I'm going to have a peace of mind and start enjoying the joy of the Lord. And then you found out they were getting married. And then you said, okay, when I get married and settle down, then my husband will make me happy. Man, you're about to find out the rough way. <laughs> you, you is about to experience a rude awakening. <laughs> and then you said, you know, if I can have a child, then I'll get some happiness. And then you, have, you, you had a girl. And then you said, if I can only have a boy. Some of you had boys. And then you said, if I can only have a girl. And then you got that. And then you're like, man, if they can only move out. <laughs> and then 18 years, they moved out and went to university. And you postponed it again. I'll only have joy when they come back to visit. So you keep postponing your joy uh, uh, because of the circumstances around you. And you will never attain it. You know why? Because joy and happiness is a state of your being. This is why the Apostle Paul said, I have learned how to be content. It's a, you learn things. It's, it's, it's a learned experience. It's a learned attitude. Yeah. You have to learn how to be happy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? And when you learn how to be happy, you won't wait until the circumstances line up for you to just, you know, experience some joy in the Lord. You can just wake up and find something to be happy about on the inside of you. In fact, when you do that, you keep the pressure on the inside uh, at, a, at, a, at an all-time high, and the outside will not crush you in. Yeah. Now, there's an experiment they did. They took a can, and they pumped hot air on the inside of that can. 
and uh, they just let it sit outside. And what happened was when the air in that can cooled off, it just crashed on the inside. And this is what happens in the life of a believer when the air on the inside, when the pressure on the inside is cooler than the circumstances outside, you're going to crash in. But when you keep the pressure on the inside at an all-time high, how do you do that? By living a stirred-up life. By praising God. By focusing on God. The Bible says, He shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When you stay, keep your mind stayed on the Lord, your pressure on the inside is high. And when your pressure on the inside is high, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You still win. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. you. Man, you still have the right attitude. And let me tell you, if you can stay in that place, God's power will flow freely through you. Amen? So you need to change the way you think and not wait for circumstances to bring you happiness and joy. Amen? Acts uh, chapter number 4 verse 36. The second tip is be an encourager. Someone shout, I'm an encourager. Man, be an encourager. Why? Because what you give is what you get. The Bible says give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Don't be a show off. Be an encourager. And I went running with, uh, with Pumlani the other weekend and I said, man, I need to run with you. I need to learn how to run. And man, he slowed down his pace to about 10, 10 minutes per 100 meters. I mean, dude could have done two minutes per kilometer, but he slowed down his pace just to encourage me. He said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to start running to the beat. I'm going to be singing for you. Man, can you imagine? He starts singing for me. One, two, one, two. He says, run to that beat. He says, run to that He said, we don't walk on uphills. He's encouraging me. He says, no walking. When it's uphill, no walking. We only get to enjoy the downhill. That's the dessert. But you have to earn it. Come on. One, two, one, two. Man, I ran that thing like a piece of cake. You know why? Because I had some encouragement. Yeah. That's, all, that's all we need. We need encouragers around us. Now watch what happened to the disciples. The disciples of Jesus, the people that walked with Jesus, had encouragers around them. And this one dude, he says, and Joseph was also named Barnabas. So his real name was Joseph. But he had another name. Uh, give it to me in the New Living Translation. I want you to see something. Man, this is awesome. 30 seconds? Wow. For instance, there was Joseph. That was his real name. The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. So, when he was given uh, 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 his birth name, it wasn't Barnabas. That wasn't his real name. It was a nickname. And usually when people give you nicknames, they give you nicknames based on what's going on around. <laughs> Pastor Trevor was telling us a story uh, of this one guy. Uh, he went in for high school and he was in their class and... Uh, they were writing down notes and the teacher was dictating the notes and they were writing them down. And the teacher said, Roman numerals number one. And then this guy wrote, Roman numerals number one. <laughs> and from that day onwards, his name was Roman numerals. It's <laughs> like, Roman, have you seen Roman? <laughs> I mean, people give you a nickname based on who you really are. See, because your name your real name is prophetic. They are hoping that you will become a Tafara. You will make people happy. They are hoping. But when people give you a nickname, it's based on who you really are. 
and here this dude was nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. In other words, if encouragement had a child, he would look like Joseph Barnabas. And this guy was always encouraged. He was always fired up. He never had a bad day. In fact, when John Mark, you remember the story in Acts? When John Mark uh, 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 dropped out on them, when they went to a smaller city to evangelize, John Mark said, no, I don't want to go with these guys. And when they were now going to Jerusalem on a bigger mission, he wanted to come to, and the Apostle Paul said, no, I don't want this dude. This dude is a quitter. It was Barnabas who stood for him. Barnabas never saw any bad in people. He saw only good. And you would encourage them. And that's what you want to be if you're going to live the worry-free life. Be an encourager. Because as you give it out, God will fill you up. As you give it up, don't be the prognosticator. Don't be the one that's always got negative comments. If someone comes to you with a business idea, you are the first one to say, ah, but this will poke holes on that thing. Just, just, this will never work. And don't be the one like that. Be the one that, that's encouraging. Amen? Tell them you can do this. Tell them you can, man, you can win. It's out for the taking. You are the right person for the job. Amen? And when you are that person, I can tell you, you will step into a place of constant spiritual encouragement in your life. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that this is a no-fear zone. Someone shout, worry. You have no place. In my heart, in my soul, someone shout, I possess the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Someone shout, my mind is alert and I am void of all speculative imaginations. I will not worry about the things that have not happened. Even the things that have happened will not concern me. Because my peace is not dependent on what's going on around me. My peace comes from above. Comes from, comes from God. I possess a supernatural peace that goes beyond what I can figure out. I do not have fear. I do not receive fear because God has given me a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. I walk in the godly kingdom and God has provided all my needs. I possess a perfect peace. I choose to make God the focus of my life. I have a level head and I do not get overwhelmed by challenging situations. I am calm in the presence and in the midst of challenging situations. I am disciplined in my emotions. I practice 
self-control. God has not given me a spirit of timidity. He has given me a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind. Discipline and self-control. The Lord is the light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the evildoers came to eat up my flesh, my adversaries, my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though a crowd should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. My heart is established in the Lord. Some put their trust in horses and chariots. I choose to put my trust in the name of the Lord. I walk in safety and supernatural protection. Even though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come near me. It shall not touch me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt me from today onwards. I receive this in Jesus' name. Come on for about 30 seconds. Begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him for a supernatural peace. A supernatural peace in your, in your career, in your job. A supernatural peace in your home, in your marriage. Thank Him for a supernatural peace in your business. Thank Him for a supernatural peace in your life. Supernatural peace. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that I have peace. I thank you that I have peace. I thank you that I rest easy in the night seasons. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we will not worry about anything. I release peace now into every home represented here this morning. The supernatural peace of God. I release peace in every business. I release peace in every career. I release peace in every heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your peace, which goes beyond what we can figure out. I thank you for peace in this ministry. We will not worry about unpaid bills. For we know you will pay for every bill. You are a God that supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. No worry. No fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We will not entertain any thought that brings us to a place of worry and fear. Temperance is ours. Self-control is ours. 
Father, I thank you that no speculative imagination will thrive in our hearts. No, it won't. We only think good thoughts. Thoughts of peace. Lovely. Good. Honest. Just. Praiseworthy and full of virtue thoughts. That's what we will meditate on. Father, we thank you. That is, we live today. It's a new season. It's a new day. There's someone under the sound of my voice. You're struggling with thoughts of fear. They wake you up in the night season. You have nightmares. All kinds of speculative imaginations come to the point of becoming dreams and you can almost experience them. And it wakes you up in the night seasons and you feel it. You've got sweat on your body and your heart is palpitating. God has sent me to tell you, that's it, it's done. It's not going to happen again. It's a new season. Just embrace this new season. It's yours. He says in Psalm 127, He has given sweet, peaceful sleep to the beloved. It's a promise. Take it. It's yours. Someone shout, I possess peace. Someone shout, I possess sleep. It's a promise. You don't need pills to go to sleep. You're not going to need pills to go to sleep. It's a promise in God's word. And as you receive it, things will change in your life. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We pray for every sick body right now. We release healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name we are afraid. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Man, isn't God good? He's an awesome God. There's a newness of life. It's a new day. Enjoy it. Amen? Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. Give it to God in prayer. And He'll take care of it. It's a promise. It's a promise. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight.